0: Well, again, we thank you for being here tonight. Uh, We are indeed, as Sam mentioned, in chapter 3 of John. And uh, won't that be a day when we see him face to face? You know, I just, (laughs) well, it's easy in our day and age to begin to think more about the day to come. Uh, We see wars and rumors of war. We see pestilence and famine. We see all kinds of upheavals in societies, both our own and others around the world. And, uh, you know, I I really do think that some of the great hymns of the faith, even like we've sung tonight, familiar ones. uh, My parents, uh, well, let me back up. I don't want to Blame the unblameable. Uh, <clears throat> my mother <laughs> was a, and is a great fan of Southern gospel music. Uh, she grew up with two girls that were sisters, and their family had a, uh, music, a Southern gospel music group that dad played and mom played, and the girls sang. Three of the girls that were in that family sang. Called, the little group called the Waymakers. And uh, uh, one of their uh, sons and I grew up, we were the exact same age and went through school and we took our senior trip right after graduation down to Florida together with a couple of other guys, just really generationally, we've been longtime friends. And as I would listen to my mom's, uh, well, you talked about Bill Gaither, my mom, I said, Mom, you know, idolatry is wrong. (laughs) Because when you go into her house, she's got a, an entertainment center, and it's got shelves and the, the big TV. I, we never had a TV that size when my brother and I were on. But uh, big TV, and right under it, there are shelves and shelves of Gaither videos. And and her and dad listen to those, watch those all the time. I said, Mom, you know, I know he's good, but that's idolatry. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, you've got a little shrine there, and, and he's not even dead. Uh, but the reality is that there are many songs, especially when, when Bill and, and Gloria Gaither get together and those uh, great saints, singers of the Southern gospel genre, will sing even older songs. There was a season when life wasn't as easy as it is. Now you say, Mike, life's not easy. Don't start talking about the good old days. I know what the good old days were, you know I get that i mean i had I had a friend uh, older friend in my first church. He said, Mike, don't let anybody fool you. The good old days weren't that good. Well, indoor plumbing is wonderful <laughs> yes, sir i I appreciate that. but the reality is in these last in my generation really, and perhaps before to some degree, but my generation forward. Yes, we have a lot of concerns, and yes, we have stress, and it's different, but knowing where your next meal is, for most, not all, I was just down at the Memphis Union Mission on Monday, and there are men who do not know, apart from the grace and the goodness of God's people, uh, the grace of God and, and the goodness of His people, they don't know where oftentimes the next meal is. I understand there are people who are without, but we are a blessed nation. And you know our music, even in Christendom, has reflected some of the ease with which we live today. I'm not critical of new music. I, I'm like Brother Steve. It's good to sing a new song and to rejoice in a, in a new melody that's come about. But, but the songs that we sing oftentimes reflect uh, a, a different set of circumstances, a different set of concerns. And we've often gotten concerned about making this life as good as it can be. You know, we're not, you know, we're having struggles in this life and we're worried about what's happening with this relationship or that, or this isn't exactly the way, or Lord, you know, help me because, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with this heartache. Or, and those things are real. But if you re- read back the, the, the stanzas of the old songs, There was a real sense that apart from Christ, apart from the goodness and the intervention of God in those circumstances of life, those normal, very common experiences, people would be destitute, both physically and spiritually, and they knew what it meant to be grateful for God's working in their life. The kingdom of God became sweeter and sweeter because there really wasn't a lot to attract us to stay in this world. Nowadays, we're so attracted by this world and its trinkets and its shiny objects that we often forget we are to live in light of eternity. Scripture says here, read with me in chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, the apostle John writes, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him. Now, the funny thing is, we, we translate that incorrectly, so answered because I don't know about you, but I didn't hear myself read a question, but there was already a question on Nicodemus' heart. And Jesus knew what it was. Jesus answered and said to him, "'Truly, truly,' or verily, verily, or amen, amen, "'I say to you, unless one is born again, "'he cannot see the kingdom of God.'" Nicodemus said to him, "'How can a man be born when he is old? "'He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb "'and be born, can he?' Jesus answered, "'Truly, truly, I say to you, "'unless one is born of water and the Spirit, "'he cannot enter into the kingdom of God.'" That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Let's pray. Father, in this Q&A with the teacher that we're looking at tonight, I pray that you would give us your answer, that you would speak truth into our hearts. And as Don's already prayed, that you would anoint the speaker, not for his glory, but for yours. That you would hide me behind the cross. And that, Father, what is said and done in these next few moments would be pleasing in your sight, would be in line with what you want us to hear and understand, and it would be life-changing. That eternity would be impacted because of what you do in these moments. May your word and your Son, Jesus Christ, be lifted up. For it's in His precious, holy, and wonderfully saving name we pray. Amen. Amen. This afternoon, first of all, we see the question of reality the question of reality I want you to read with me again chapter 3 and verse 1 now there was a man of the Pharisees that gives us his religious uh, orientation among the Jews named Nicodemus a word that means victor of the people a ruler of the Jews quite a resume already quite a, an understanding of John was not trying to disrespect the man, but just allow us to see what was happening in this moment, who it was that was coming to ask these questions. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. I want to begin. The reality is, First of all, that his position, that is Nicodemus's position, was irrelevant. It's interesting after we read verse 1 and have that kind of resume, it's, it's as if there's a calling card. I don't think John the apostle was trying to impress us with the audiences that Jesus gathered as much as he was saying, in the world's eyes, this was a somebody. This was one that In fact, at the end of the passage we've just read, Jesus asked Nicodemus, are you the teacher of Israel? It tells us in the first verse that Nicodemus was likely part of the 70. Uh, A Pharisee who was also a ruler of the Jews, that put him in a category of the 70 that mainly were around the area of Jerusalem because they were the party, they were the group that would uh, be led by and actually would uh, move the high priest into position on a on a regular basis. Uh, Annas and uh, Caiaphas that we see at the end of Jesus' ministry were part of that 70. This was a man who would by all means have a very attentive crowd following after him or people would divide the in the crowd to make a way for him as he passed because he was a man of importance the fact that Jesus himself refers to Nicodemus as the teacher says that not only was he a a politically and religiously active individual but he was also a man of great respect as far as the faith of the Jews but the interesting thing is when I tell you that his position was irrelevant is that John then begins verse 2 this man At the bottom of the day, at the end of the story, at uh, the, the cross, every one of us is just a mere mortal. We're just a man. We're just human. And that is where we have to come to. When we look at anyone, educated or uneducated, rich or poor, Of any degree of melatonin, no matter where they're from or what they've accomplished in their own ability, when it comes to spiritual truth, you and I are just men all needing the same answer to whatever question we're formulating in our mind. The real question is, how do we see the kingdom of God? That's all what's on our hearts, and it was what was on Nicodemus's heart. And Jesus says the answer. Now, just a moment, before we get to that, not only is this a question of reality that in reality you're not anything above everyone else, Nicodemus, you're just a man. But second, as we look at this, he says to Jesus, Rabbi, that is uh, coming in, he's the known as the teacher. He's one of the 70s. uh, noted Pharisee, he's a man of well, a well-known uh, position in society, but he's just a man. But he, whether by understanding how to approach someone when you're wanting an honest answer or honest conversation, or whether he's condescending to the Lord, we're not told in this, and there's not a lot of information to, to flesh that out. But however his approach is, he begins with a compliment, an accolade, rabbi a form of respect, and he says, Rabbi, we know, that is we, that, that my wife says, you need to stop saying we all the time. It's, it's you think that, okay? But this is one point where we is absolutely correct, because I'll tell you again and again, context in Scripture is key in understanding. You can't take a, a, a verse out of context and believe that you've got a right interpretation at the end of the day. If you do that, you've automatically skewed the truth that God wants to tell you. So we're going to look at a broader context in a moment. But let me just tell you, not only was his position irrelevant, but his praise was incomplete. He said, Rabbi, we know, look, we know that you have come from God as a teacher like me I'm, I'm I'm not only respecting you I'm I'm saying that you're on we're we're on the same level <laughs> no no nicodemus you're not he says for no one can do the word can do the, the phrase there is the dunati it's the same word that we see in Romans 16 that the power of god is the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's that same root word. The ability, the power, the, the, the capacity to do these things, you don't have that unless God is with you. <laughs> Context is king, remember? What did the gospel begin with? Chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You see, Nicodemus Nicodemus has already said, no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Not only has he underestimated the man who stands before him, but Nicodemus, Nicodemus is revealing not only his misunderstanding, but his malignancy. Look with me back just a one half a page, maybe just a few verses. from, or in, in fact, a few verses. Chapter 2 and verse 23. It says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name, observing what? His signs. Which he was doing. Which he was capable of doing. Which he had the power to do. Which he had the authority to do. But Jesus, on his part, was not entrusting himself to them, for he, what? Knew all men. And because he did not need anyone to testify concerning man, for he himself knew what was in man. The context is, this man, Pharisee, ruler of the Jews, erudite educator of the people, didn't matter. When Jesus looked at him, he saw a man who was drawn not by the truth that was Jesus Christ the Savior, but by the signs that he had done. He was impressed by the external, temporal, worldly, earthly happenings that he had observed. And Jesus knew that. He knew that his faith, that his his interest, his belief in this man Jesus was just veneer that there was more in him that needed to be addressed than Nicodemus even knew. Look with me. Not only was his position irrelevant, not only was his praise incomplete of Jesus, but then (laughs) Jesus just steps right in. no, no No need to delay this. Jesus answered not what he had said, Oh, thank you. Thank you, Nicodemus. I appreciate your kindness. That's very, very well to do of you to to give me that that kind of prestige in your mind to say those kind of things. No, no, no. He says, he answered and said to him, what? He says, well, truly, truly, it's, it's that double phrase that Jesus uses especially in the book of John to tell us this is something you need to highlight (laughs) this is something you need to underline put a star by and folks please do that I understand we don't want to be be uh, flipping about our Bibles but we need to use them they are a tool and Rick Jones is happy to help you buy a new one if you wear that one out okay (laughs) bookstores on your way out But the reality is writing in your Bible, reading and studying and meditating on it is exactly what He wants us to do. And this is one of those moments where you need to hear God's Word speak into your heart and I need to hear Him speak into my heart. Listen, truly, truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now this, and when it's repeated in chapter 3 and verse 5, this phrase, kingdom of God, this is really one of the rare, I believe these are the two, two, maybe there's a third, I'm not sure I've found it yet, but two times in the entire gospel of John that that phrase is used. Most of the time when you read John, you're going to be hearing this same idea referred to as eternal life. Now the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they use the kingdom of God quite often. But here we find the parallel terminology. And John is just affirming this is the reign and rule of God. Not a territory, but the reign and rule over the hearts and minds of individuals that he's talking about. You cannot see God at work in fullness of His glorious sovereign rule apart from being born again or born from above. Now, in the the language of the Bible, that can be either way. Born again can be born a second time or repeated, or it can be born from above. And there's really no English word equivalent to that to help us get that, that dual meaning. But in this moment, we find that he turns to Nicodemus and says to this stately educated ruler of the Jews who's put his life into the pursuit of knowing and understanding the law and the old testament and praying for the promised messiah perhaps but his view of what that messiah was going to be was skewed and Jesus said everything you've done Nicodemus in essence everything that you've done Nicodemus While it has value, it has no lasting eternal impact on your salvation because until you, the teacher of Israel, the ruler of the Jews, a Pharisee of Pharisees, come to understand that your need is not for more information but transformation of heart, that you must be born from above by the Holy Spirit of God you will never see the kingdom of God for which you long. Second, there's a question not only of reality, but there's a question of rebirth. Jesus says that statement, Verily, verily, I say to you, unless one is born again, born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus immediately, it seems, We don't hear a pause. We're not told of a pause. We're We're not told of an awkward silence that just hangs in the room. Nicodemus didn't answer but said to him, fired back. How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Let me tell you. There are people who are very good at talking about being spiritual people who do not have one iota of understanding about spiritual things. In fact, I've told you, I may have said it already in this study, God created every one of us according to the New Testament, body, soul, and spirit. For you to say, hey, I am a spiritual person, is kind of like Captain Obvious opening his mouth. Of course you are. You were made in the image of God, and he created you body, soul, and spirit. Everyone's spiritual. Now, they may be darkened spiritually and never know the light of Christ or have not yet come to know the one who is the light of the world, but every one of us is spiritual as well as soulish as well as physical. Now, here's where we need to understand this passage. When he asks this question, it tells us a world about where he is. It is absolutely confusion that we see it's that confusion that leads us to hear jesus you can imagine the 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 angst and the and the confusion that's on this older gentleman's face and he's asking this question this this darkened this this simpleton kind of response because his mind is not spiritually alive he can only see in the temporal the physical and he listens to this itinerant country preacher who he was trying to be nice to when he walked in but now he said something so foolish as a man must be born again and he looks back at him and says how in the world can a man be born again when he is old can he enter into his mother's womb and be born again you understand? Jesus is telling him a spiritual truth, and he's living on a carnal level, though he's had every opportunity because of his path in life to anticipate the Savior. And yet the Savior is standing right before him, and he cannot see him. Now, look with me. Y'all are not listening fast enough tonight. I don't know what it is, but y'all need to hurry up and follow me. The consequences. Are here as well. He says. (laughs) Jesus' response again. Truly, truly. Listen. I'm about to put some spiritual weighty truth in your lap. I say to you. Unless one is born of water and the spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. It's as if he says. Let me. Let me repeat this for you. I'll say it slower this time so you can get it, Nicodemus. But in the process, he actually does have a little commentary. He says, first of all, in verse 3, you must be born again. But here he says, you must be born of water and spirit. And you're like, okay. Now, listen, let me just stop there. I love studying and preparing and presenting God's word to his people as well as those who have not yet come to know him. But I want to just tell you this is one of those verses that commentators have debated on and have very different opinions on. And for me or anyone else to tell you they have figured it out and they've got it right, written down in stone and nobody can deny what they're saying. Well, they'll tell you other things as well that you need to be careful about. But here's what some say, to be born of water and the Spirit means to be, you have to be physically born as a mother, there's there's the afterbirth, the water, and spiritually you must be born again if you're going to see the kingdom of heaven. There are people like Westcott who believe in, uh, one of the commentators who believe in baptismal regeneration, and they'll say what it means is you've got to be baptized as well as have an internal transformation of heart by the Spirit of God in order to be able to see the kingdom of God. Now, again, people say, well, that sounds reasonable, of water and the Spirit. Wouldn't that be? Well, the problem is context, and the context of baptism in the New Testament doesn't allow us to connect the necessity of water baptism with salvation. Okay. It is a symbol, but not a requirement for spiritual life. All right. It is an encouragement, but not an essential to salvation. Others have different opinions, but I want to again, I'm trying. This this is not, I haven't written any commentary on John. Maybe I'll just put my notes together and send it to a publisher. I don't know. But <laughs> But no, no, I won't. (laughs) But here is context. I want you to take your Bibles very quickly. And remember when Jesus, right before he came to be baptized, the Pharisees sent from Jerusalem, excuse me, those sent from Jerusalem and then also the Pharisees in chapter 1, are 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 interacting with John and asking him who are you are you the christ are you elijah are you the prophet he asked all those questions. They, he's asked of all those questions. Now, the same thing when John says, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Two of his disciples, John being one of them, follow after Jesus. Now, we don't know in the interim what's happened, but the last really account we have of Pharisees interacting around Jesus and his, uh, his forerunner, John, is that they're looking for the one, again, who would be Messiah. And John has preached a baptism of repentance. Okay? That was symbolized by baptism. John's was a baptism of repentance, but not of the Spirit. The Spirit hadn't come. The Savior hadn't arrived. The work of the cross had not been completed. But he was wanting them to prepare them hearts for the coming of Messiah. I believe tonight that yes, there is a reality to what Jesus is saying that you and I need to hold on to. That is that salvation, rebirth, being born again, born from above, requires not only a repentance of sin, but a reception of the Savior and his, the Spirit of Christ dwells in us afterwards. There's a, there's a two-fold emphasis there. Now again... I'm not putting this in stone, putting my foot in the ground, saying I shall not be moved. But the reality is I'm in the process of learning. That's where I'm at right now. I believe that you and I understand salvation is repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus. That's how Paul described it. And he went house to house and publicly and in homes told that same gospel. The simplicity of the gospel is when I get, take everything I know of myself, I turn from it and I receive everything that I know at that moment of Jesus Christ by faith. I am born of repentance. That's the water representing that, that baptism, that repentance, and then the reception of the Spirit. Again, if you have other thoughts, I'm open to learning, okay? But I want to tell you, God's Word says there has to be a fundamental spiritual change. Whatever you do in the the details of that verse, the takeaway is this. You and I will not know God by our own carnal intellect. We must be enlightened by the Spirit of God and respond to Him, not in our own efforts, in our own goodness. And what what right can I uh, observe? What what good deed can I do? What can I do more than I'm doing to enter and see the kingdom of God? It's never going to be about you. It's always going to be about how you have placed your faith and I've placed my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and His finished work. So you and I need to understand there is the question of reality. There's the question of rebirth. And also, look with me. See, when I close my Bible, it's not a good thing. I have to start all over. Verse verse 6 and 7 go on. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Again, that do not be amazed that what I, that I said to you, you must be born again. So three times in, in close proximity and in almost undeviating manner, Jesus says the same thing to this very, very well-taught, well-entrenched religious man. Religion Will never save, rebirth, reborn is the command. Jesus underlines that fact with this phrase in verse. Six, this this uh, statement almost a, again a very obvious. What is bo- that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. You and I are not going to be spiritually astute. We're going to be spiritually enlightened because we earn the right to understand some secret. God is not working on, well, once you get this far along in your religious pursuit, then I'll show you truth. God's put, God puts the truth right before us, and He prompts us by the working of His Spirit to receive spiritually truth. That is, we can read the scriptures for ourselves. You don't need me or any other interpreter of scripture or educator or priest or pastor to let you in on God's truth. He has it right here for you and me, everyone to receive. And when the Spirit works in our lives, it doesn't matter whether you have a first grade education or a PhD and postgraduate work. If God's Word is opened up to you by the Spirit of God, you're going to know truth, period. Third and finally, in this Q&A, Nicodemus said to him, well, let me back, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. And I apologize for that. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So everyone who is, so is everyone who is born of the spirit. Now, here's here's the the idea. We didn't have Tim Simpson and Jim Jaggers in 31, 32 AD. Okay? They really didn't understand meteorology. I'm not trying to say they didn't have some ideas or some explanation, but they didn't have a real clear understanding of where wind comes from and where it goes. But they knew What they saw, the wind did. So it is when you, carnal, unenlightened, fleshly man, Nicodemus, see the Spirit of God acting in the lives of believers. You don't understand what the change was, and you don't know how it works, and you don't have a clue where it's leading, but you know those folks live differently than I do. They've got something after all that I've tried to do in my life as a religious man. They have something that is fundamentally different and fundamentally better than I have. And I don't know where it it came from or where it's leading. But I'm interested in finding out more. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Then he says in response. How can these Things be. How can these things be? Hmm. Don't you 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 almost you almost hurt for him. The good news is, if you continue to read John, Nicodemus comes around. Little by little, we see him show up and. He does come around, but at this moment, you're hurting, not angry with him, not upset with him, not condemning of him, not judging of him, but just saying, we're all there. We're all men, just like him. We all have this idea that somehow we need to do something for God for him to do something for us, and that's not it. How can these things be? How can you tell me that I must be born again? And I see something different, but I I don't understand it. How can I'm, I'm limited? Jesus' response in this third and final question of recognition. How do I recognize the truth behind what I see before me? And, and how do I understand the things that you're saying? How can these things be? And Jesus says to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? may seem strange for you and me to stop at this moment in our reading perhaps the whole evening nicodemus has has in the course of these back and forth he's come to a point where he thought he was just going to be nice to this new fella But I'm sure, given an opportunity, I'll be able to teach him something. And the one who is the eternal Word of God, we're now saying, look, teacher, you didn't know anything coming into this evening's session. But the Word of God knows you. Knows where you are, what you are, how you are, and what you need. And he's told you clearly, you must be born again. And no matter how much knowledge you think you have, teacher, you may even be respected and revered as an instructor in the things of the law and and our, our religious practices. But let me tell you, you may even have influence on who and how the people are led as part of the 70, but let me tell you what, how is it? Let me ask you there, Nicodemus, how is it? That you are the teacher of Israel and don't understand this basic truth that salvation has always been and always will be of grace apart from works. Father, tonight I ask that you would bless this truth that it's not about what we know, what we do, It's not about how long we've done it or how many people know we've done it. But it's about the fact of whether or not we have been born from above. Have you, in your grace, stepped down and changed our carnal, fleshly hearts has the wind of the Spirit began to blow in our lives and a transformation that was otherwise impossible begun to take place in our lives where people look at us and say, I can't explain it. I'm not sure how to. it could ever be explained, but there's something new, something different, something real about your life that wasn't there before. Father, may we, along with Nicodemus, hear your statement, your unwavering statement, to every heart. Whether we're religiously astute or whether we're pagan in every practice of life. Whether we've been under the gospel all our life or whether we've been under a false religion all our days. Father, I pray that you would help us to know this truth and to tell this truth repeatedly. You must be born again. Father, we stand boldly before you tonight asking you to save those who do not know you. In this moment, in this place, and in the days of this coming week, help us to be light and testimony of the Spirit of God in their lives. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. As you can see, we don't have a pianist. I think that's the way you say that word. Here's the deal. Sam and I are going to be here just for a moment. And if you're ready to make that decision, if you have some more questions about what it means to be born again, we'd love. It would give us great joy greater joy than anything we do in any given week to talk to you about how you can have a personal born again born from above relationship with jesus christ but if you know that then you need to be praying for those that don't and then as you go look for those who would love to hear the life-changing message you must be born again